Hey Geek fans, today we're talking about the Batman, Krypton, and we break down Luke Cage. This episode on the Raving Geeks. Hey Geek fans, this is Ben Solis and Noah Bayshore. Noah Bayshore, and we are the Raving Geeks. Today we uh, have a little bit of a special episode. Uh, our two uh, regular co-hosts are not with us today. Jordan's uh, busy doing stuff, and uh, Kelsey has lost her voice, weirdly enough. But we are here today with, with myself, Noah, who I found out recently I was just completely pronouncing his name wrong. What's up with that, Ben? I'm so sorry, dude. Like, no one ever, like, actually, like, pronounced it for me. So yeah. I guess that's kind of my fault a little I, bit. I was going off of the cuff. Word of the wise, don't go off the cuff. <laughs> and we got Alex in the house producing the podcast. Alex. How you, how you doing, bro? He says hi. He's good. He says hi. Well, we got, we got an interesting episode for you. Even though we're running lean today, and the episode is kind of lean today, that still does not take away from the breadth of conversation that we're going to have. We're going to talk about some good stuff. We're going to talk about some things. Some stuff, yeah. Some stuff. That's all good. But we're going to get some news first. And the news, I think, oh, there's a lot. But one of the cool things that we all saw a couple of days ago was... Yeah. Yeah. Within this week, uh, a couple of days, they released the poster for the, the for, final... Yeah. For uh, the final Wolverine movie. The last one. One last time. And uh, it had the word Logan on it. Yeah, it's officially called Logan. That is fantastic because that basically confirms what we thought for the entire time is that they're doing some weird version of Old Man Logan. It's Old Man Logan except without Old Man. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. You know, and that's the thing too is that some of those set picks did show him as like an older as older dude. So there is the insinuation that it could be following that same line, but we don't know at this point. It's pretty cool, but. Uh, very cryptic poster, wouldn't you say? Yeah, like it almost made it look like a horror movie to me. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Like it looked like The Last of Us. Exactly, yeah. Didn't it? Yeah. With like the hand. Mm-hmm. Just the one reaching hand. Did you see like the meme where like someone like photoshopped it as like Deadpool's oh, little yeah. baby hand? He's like, that was actually me and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. He tweeted that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. So good. That's great. And so like that's really cool. Um, There's a lot of speculation now that I've, I've had with myself and my friends is that like you know, are they going to go the, the, the direct route and make that kid, you know, 23's kid? Or is there going to be like a more through line from like the older movies? You know, is this like one of the Japanese uh, love interests kid? I don't know. Yeah, like the continuity stuff with the X-Men, like nobody really. It's all over the place. Yeah. It's absolutely all over the place. So there's there's no real telling, but we should be having some news come out here pretty soon. Definitely. A little bit more of a synopsis. Um, that, that poster looked awesome. And I do have to say that throughout my entire, like, just watching X-Men movies, I, I really have enjoyed these Wolverine movies probably the best. Um, not Origins, obviously. Yeah, with the exception of Origins. Yeah, and we always talk about that, like, if you watch, like, the first 45 minutes of Origins, it's, like, a solid movie. Yeah. You just turn it off after that and move on. <laughs> exactly. Um. But no, I mean, I thought the Wolverine was great. Oh, same. Thought it was, it was totally yeah. refreshing. You actually kind of have Wolverine hair right now. Oh, yeah. I kind w- of like spiked up a little we're bit. Gonna, we're going to tweet after the episode and show you what Noah's hair looks like because he's rocking full. My full, Hugh Jackman look. Full Hugh Jackman right now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I thought that was a breath of fresh air, um, especially for that X-Men franchise, which had been kind of lagging. And then obviously, you know, the, the restart with the first class line was really, you know, well, what the franchise needed. Definitely. Yeah, it was it was well received and it was definitely necessary. But I'm I'm I gotta tell you, man, this is like this is end of an era. Yeah, exactly. Stuff, you know, I remember being like a kid. I mean, Noah, how old are you? I'm 19. You're 19. All right. I am exactly like almost 10 years older than you. Oh man. I know. I'm an old man. Which is which is funny. I don't sound like it, but I am. I'm getting you old. Don't, you don't look old. You're you're good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll let <laughs> we'll let the viewers decide about that. Um, face for radio. But yeah, no. Um, you know, I just remember so vividly like seeing that first X Men movie like in theaters with my family and just like being blown away by it because I mean I had been such a huge X Men fan when I was a kid. That was like the the beginning of really good superhero movies, you know, and uh, Hugh Jackman doesn't even look the same. Oh, no. Yeah. You know, he went from being like the skinny dude who like nobody even knew to like now he's like this ripped like megastar. And it's just it's it's sad to see him go. Yeah, I don't I don't think the franchise is going to be the same without him for sure. Like he like 
is X-Men. He really like, is. Yeah. He's definitely the face. And um, and he and he carries the brand so well, too. He does the brand such a good good service in the way that he, like, talks about the character, the way he's, like, fully immersed himself in the character. He's so passionate about it. And, like, it's it's really, like, it's amazing. It's really apparent, too. Um, who else can play Wolverine at this I, point? I don't even – I hope no one else yeah. plays him. I just don't want him to go. Did you Do you remember um, some years ago when they were talking about the potential of doing Old Man Logan? Yeah. And people were saying, like, you should just get Clint Eastwood Clint to do Eastwood. it. That would be awesome um, because he's very much like a Clint Eastwood kind of character. Oh, for sure. You know, maybe not necessarily in the comics, but like the way that Hugh Jackman embodies him. Um, it's just great. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just I'm bummed out. But that begs the question, are they going to reboot his character? I feel like to me, I don't think they're going to do that. I feel like they're going to keep it going with maybe like an X-23 character mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Like, yeah, just to recast Wolverine or just to, you know kind of diminish, you know, Hugh Jackman's, you know, take on the character. I don't think they would ever do that. I think they would just keep the, like, the lineage of Wolverine going rather than just completely, like, redo it or just add somebody else as Wolverine. Sure. And it's, I mean, it's like the whole, like, Christopher Nolan's trilogy, right? Yeah, exactly. They made a conscious decision not to try to even emulate or carry that on. And that was important, right? Yeah, because that was, like, its own standalone thing it's 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 like the holy grail of batman in absolutely sense. and it, it and it needed to be its own thing so yeah i don't i don't know um i'm gonna go off and cry after this episode and watch every x-men movie i can just snuggle with your like wolverine doll yeah or something. you know i'm gonna look at it lovingly like that picture that meme of him looking at that picture exactly it's perfect um so we got that that's hot right now uh next on the list uh there's been a bunch of justice league news a and lot just, just crazy stuff happening um, whether that's, you know, kind of looking forward to the Batman and seeing what Ben Affleck is doing behind the scenes. Uh, you and I talked about this beforehand, even when we were talking about it, we were d- developing our new section. Things have kind of kind of changed in, in the narrative of what's going on. It was like, all right, we're full, full steam ahead. We're writing the script. We're rewriting the script a little bit. Like we've got a, we've got pretty much a date set in mind while it's not released. And then you were saying earlier that like they've kind of pumped the brakes yeah, because, like, there is this whole, uh, like, talks about, like, what the movie title is going to be because, like, a- uh, Affleck is, like, advertising his movie The Accountant, yeah. like, a little bit. And, like, they were talking to him about, uh, like, hey, what's going on with this Batman movie and stuff? And, like, he was like, oh, well, we're thinking of calling it The Batman and just so on. So, like, but now, like, he's saying, like, it's not, you know, officially set in stone. It might not even be called The Batman. Like, it might be called something else. But they're just saying right now where they're at in the stages they're just still working on the script they're trying to make it as good as it can be like it's not a movie you know officially they're yeah. they're still working on it is that heartening to you that they're taking their that much time and that, care yeah that gives me like so much hope for this movie that they are like treat, they're taking their time with it they're working on it and like mm-hmm. they're they they actually care about what they're doing maybe that means that w fi- wb finally gets it yeah exactly you know maybe they got the hint um, and that's, I mean, I don't know whether that's, you know, the market telling them you guys need to slow the hell I, I, down. I think that has something to do with it, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely the, the kind of guiding hand of Affleck, you know, yeah. you're trusting someone who's an Academy Award winner with this movie. If he, if he says he wants to take his time. Exactly. I bet like Warner Brothers is like, what's going on? Like, no, we, we have to take our time with this. This is too important. He's just closing the door on him. Yeah. It's like, I'm Ben Affleck. I do what I want. I'm Batman. Um, I made Argo. I made Argo. <laughs> yeah, I got you guys a bunch of money, so shut up. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that's a, I think that's a really cool move. Um, it's kind of sad for fans because I think we want this movie so desperately. Um, I don't. Th- I'm not of the mind of this, but I know a lot of people feel like Wonder Woman and Justice League aren't going to hit the mark that they want to, uh, despite both of those looking so good. And that the Batman is the thing that's going to save it. Now, I think that's a really defeatist attitude and looking at the rest of it. I think so, too. Yeah, but, like, even still, like, that has the potential to really lift it up to, like, another high level. Um, so, yeah, we'll see We'll see what happens on that front. But in the Justice League front, a whole lot's going on. There's been a lot of stuff. They, can, they uh, just wrapped up production, I think, in the UK. Mm-hmm. And they put out this whole, like, featurette where, like, everybody was, like, hanging out on the set and goofing around. Did you see that? I did see that. That was so good. That was like, really cool. There was this whole moment where like Aquaman was like whipping his trident around and like he drops it. He drops it. And then <laughs> like uh he 
like steals Diana's like sword and they're just all like what? They're like, oh, okay, so Jason, good. Jason, you're so funny. Da, da, da. But yeah, no, that feature was really sweet. Um interesting there was a lot of green screen stuff, which Yeah. But also at the same time there was like a lot of like practical effects I noticed, which was like really cool. There was. There really was. And it was a good mix between the both of, of CGI and practical. Um which, you know, I don't know. it's it's hard to dissect. Yeah. Like Batman vs Superman knowing what Zack Snyder's tendency is which is just like full CGI without a whole lot of practical I mean I think he took some of the some of the Chris Corbold like you know practical effects of the Batman uh, the Batmobile excuse me um, things like that those were clearly practical effects oh, for sure, yeah. they built that that stuff um, but yeah it's, it's interesting to see what they're going to do there's that shot of him jumping off the gargoyle Yeah, Batman jumping off gargoyles oh. your life has been made pretty much if you're a Batman fan and you saw that. I'm just like, oh, God, that's great. Um, but also interesting enough, they showed a very short shot of Cavill in his Superman suit. Yeah. Proving that they're going to bring him back, at least to some capacity. If anyone was, like, having any doubts about that. Sure, sure. Um, there's some talk, though, about how they're going to do it. And I don't know if you heard this or not. Maybe it's just my friends just ranting and being idiots. No, but, like, what's up? One of the things that I've heard through the grapevine is that they're not going to bring him back. And this is all rumor, okay. by the way. Um, they're not going to bring him back in the way that they would have, like, through, like, Dark Knight Returns. Okay. Right? Or not even Dark Knight Excuse me. I, um, like the uh, Death of Superman? The Death of Superman, okay. where he just, like, regenerates, right? To whatever capacity. Or if you, you are going off the Dark Knight Returns, where he can, like, pull sun energy, like, from the ground. Yeah. Like, that's what I got from that last scene in Batman vs. Superman, was that, like, oh, maybe it's like that. Maybe he's, like, pulling. Like, from the soil yeah, around him? Like, freaking chlorophyll. <laughs> You know, um, enough with the chlorophyll. <laughs> but uh, yes, yeah, so what the thing that I've heard is is that the mother box that they're looking for is actually there's a bunch of them. There's three of them, right? Yeah. One of them is buried in Kansas. Oh. And it's it's like future cybernetic power is gonna somehow revive. Him. Is gonna like slowly reviving him the same way that it like helped cyborg you know become cyborg. So I don't know. I don't know what to take from this. That you, sounds like pretty plausible because i heard like they're saying one mother box was supposed to be in atlantis the mm-hmm. other one was supposed to be on paradise island and then one was supposed to be like for the humans yeah so that that could be a thing so that'd be really cool who knows at this point um of course that's a rumor so we'll see the question is and i'm gonna ask you this too is that something that you wanted to see a mother box reviving superman yeah is that kind of is that a weak storyline yeah i would rather them do it the death of superman where like he gets that suit and like he like absorbs the sun energy and that's how he's revived yeah absolutely i would totally agree but um yeah a lot of people are like real on the fence about that rumor because it's like does this cheapen what we wanted from this yeah is this Zack snyder once again taking something from a comic and warping it to his own vision and something that's not going to sit right with the fans um so if that's true he's taking a really big risk here again of alienating superman fans who want a specific thing and it just sucks because you can't win yeah can't win with superman like if you want to do your own thing you also have to keep in mind that so many other people want to see this definitive version of superman coming back so it's just it's hard to please everybody yeah absolutely and plus you know with the whole essence of superman being so old you have to reinvent him so many different times exactly we had michael from hall of heroes uh, on here one year and he kind of just, just dissected some of that and was just like, you know, it, it's just such a hard character to adapt to the modern era because everybody has so much baggage attached to this character. Everyone has their own mind of, like, what Superman is and yeah. what he represents. You're exactly right. You're never going to please anybody. Exactly. Um, so, uh, ooh, ooh, eh. ooh. we'll see what <laughs> happens, man. Um, but I have faith. I have the ultimate faith in I Zack think, Snyder. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I'm optimistic. I think it's going to be okay. Do you think it's funny that some of those set photos of him, like, he was, like, dressed, like, real dapper do you think he's, like, trying to channel Nolan with some of that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who are you talking about, Snyder? Yeah. yeah he is. He's very stylish. I don't, I don't know, stylish. man. Was he that stylish before? This seems I, like a new thing for him. Yeah, like, before it seemed like he would always wear, like, like, like t-shirts. shorts. Yeah, T-shirts, because he's, like, super buff. Yeah. But now he's, like, wearing, like, a dress shirt thing and, like, a suit all the time. Maybe, like, the, the critical beating, like, made Was just, him... like, be fancy. Be an auteur. <laughs> You're going to be fine. Be an artist. So yeah, there's Zack Snyder, the artist, in a cardigan and uh, you know vest. So we're moving on, and we're continuing this theme of DC stuff. Um, Supergirl starts soon. 
Yeah, I think it's this Monday. It starts this Monday as uh, Arrow already started, mm-hmm. and Flash should be starting soon. Yeah, Fla- Flash and Arrow have already started. Their first episodes are already Th- up. There you go. So go out and watch them. Um, we don't have dedicated Flash and Arrow watchers this uh, time. I, I'm a dedicated Flash watcher. That's good, because we're going to call on you. We're calling you more often to do that. I'm really happy to have you on the mic now, thank, man. By thank the way, you. I I'm, appreciate I'm that. I'm going to take a break and just say, this is sweet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's good because we will talk about that. We will not be lost in the weeds on that one. Cool um, beans. Because you're replacing Tyler in that regard because that dude was dedicated. So Tyler, if you're out there, we're still dedicated. We got you. Um, but speaking of all of that, there is something in the works with David Goyer that I've kind of known about for a while, but this is like the first time I've actually heard that they're they're going full steam ahead with it and they're actually going to produce this thing. Um, unless if I could be wrong, they're still deciding. But what I saw was that the Krypton is, is pretty much a go. Yeah, it's a thing. I think they're like going to make a pilot. That's the word. So they're actually going to shoot, shoot yeah. a pilot now. And they've uh, officially cast a uh, their lead role. Uh, they've cast Cameron Cuff. Okay. It's C-U-F-F-E. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. or Cuff-A. I don't even know who that dude yeah. is. Uh, I guess he's playing uh, the grandfather of Superman. Okay. Uh, Seg L, S-E-G-L. Okay. Yeah, like... Seg L. Yeah. Uh, I guess, like, he's... The way they described it, at least, like, in the, uh, like the synopsis, like, it's supposed to be, like, the House of L is, like, not really, you know... It's not doing so good, like uh, in in terms of like popularity with like all the other houses or whatever. Like it's not it's not doing so. so like good. their political favor is yeah, starting to run exactly. Through. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting, especially because, I mean, we got a little bit of a taste of what David Goyer envisioned for Krypton and envisioned and Man of for, Steel. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I, those those beginning sequences were like some of my favorite parts. Me of too. Man of yeah. Steel. It was really cool, and I mean, that's one of the reasons why I like the movie so much, too, because it was so sci-fi oriented, you know? You really got the feel that Superman was an alien, and he wasn't just some just superhero. Exactly. Um, and that was a good way of setting it up. So, I, it's weird because I'm, again, I'm, like, ambivalent to, like, be really cool about this. Uh, Goyer has, like, teased me with great things before. But then also... And just took the line away real yeah. fast, you know? Um, so, I don't know what to think. What, what's your take on it? I'm... Cautiously optimistic, because yeah. also, like, he has done some cool stuff, like, you know, Man of Steel, that whole, as you were saying, that whole opening sequence, awesome. Blade 1 and 2, but not 3? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to talk about Blade 3. I don't know. I think this Superman prequel has the potential to be really good, because, like, there's a lot of unexplored territory with, you know, the history of Krypton. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Birthright, they, like, address, like, you know, the whole origins of, like, the House of El and, like, the symbol of hope, the S. Yeah. Uh, I think to like address that and like really go into it would be really cool, and I think like it could be really cool. Absolutely, and the, you, that's an interesting plot that that you kind of bring up is that you know this isn't gonna be like some other adaptation of Krypton or the Superman story, kind of like how Supergirl is. You exactly. know, Supergirl is off on its own little thing. It's off in that Berlani universe, and uh, as good as that is. I mean, this one potentially could tie directly into what they're doing with the movies and their movie universe. Um, and that's an interesting bet because, I mean, DC hasn't played with that at all. No, not at all. I don't even you know, think they've, like, put out, like, like a comic about it or anything. No. And, I mean, and they intentionally kept their, their TV universe away from their movie universe. Um, you know, it was weird because I had always questioned the logic on that. And now, like, seeing some of the fallout from both sides, you know, people kind of, like, disavowing Arrow and Flash for being, like, kind of too, like, getting soap opery, but also people disavowing the movies because, you It's know, getting too dark. It's divisive, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it makes sense on why they kept that separate because, I mean, I feel like those two different fan bases kind of have, like, they can pick and choose, you know? Yeah. Uh, Marvel really hasn't had that because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is so deeply tied into what they were doing with the movies. Now we might see the reverse of that with the DC thing, you know. Um, do, you, do you happen to know what what channel uh, it's going to air on? Yes, it's going to be on Sci-Fi. It's on Sci-Fi. Yeah. Wow. So this isn't even a network thing. No. This yep. is like cable. Exactly. Direct to cable. Sorry, Goyer. Yep. My how the mighty have fallen. Um. Yeah, it was weird too because he had actually had like a first look agreement with Warner Brothers. Really? Yeah. It was like when they were starting to launch Man of Steel and like it was a while ago. Okay. And, like they had like Batman vs Superman in the works. Not so much anymore. I don't think he has that same deal. No, like, uh, nope. I think they gave him Krypton. They're like, here, you just go off. Yeah, you go over here to sci-fi. Like, leave us alone. You're going to be fine. 
keep working on tremors or something. <laughs> tremors. Tremors. What a movie. We need to have a we need to have like a, a discussion on tremors. Jesus, Kevin Bacon, man. That dude. Um <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the Krypton. We're hoping it's good. Last but not least in our new section, we're going to kick it right back to Marvel, and that's a good transition because we're going to talk about Luke Cage a little bit later in the show. Uh, Iron Fist trailer has been released, and we watched it right before, and i got to say, man, I'm pretty freaking amped. It looks real good. It, I'm really excited about it. It looks really, really good. Um, I You just showed it to me, so this is like, this is like rapid reaction stuff here, but like, it looks cleaner than the other shows. It looks more well produced than the other shows. The 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 graphics look better than the other shows. Um, and maybe they're just showing us the best stuff, right? Yeah. So I'm not really like sure. it's like several months out. They said it's going to be in March yeah. of 2017, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's a different take, you know, because like that's the thing about this Defenders universe is that it's all street level stuff. Exactly. You know, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the Luke Cage thing. But like this is the first opportunity that we have of mixing that street level stuff with like an actual like kind of ninja story, like mystical stuff, mystical stuff that you didn't get to see in any of this. Um, I am super super amped. Me too. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't even know who the guy is. I've never seen this dude before. No, like I think he was like briefly in Game of Thrones for a little bit, but yeah, he I looks think his, like it's yeah, got that look. exactly. Like his character, I think, was like killed off. I I can't remember, but like he's like he was in Game of Thrones. Character killed like number one hundred thirty-three. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's I'm I'm excited for it. Um, there was some uproar originally about. Uh, yeah, we were talking about this. Yeah. So okay, so as we talk about things like. Ghost in the Shell, that's coming out here pretty soon. Doctor Strange, which is coming out next month. Exactly. You know, yep. uh, there was a big uproar about are these things whitewashing? You know, these these Asian characters, uh, specifically Asian characters, because they're so easy to adapt, like animes, into like a modern American movie. Um, you got that with like. Uh, what was it? Uh, old boy, the old boy, mm-hmm. like American version, was just odd, you know. Um, but yeah, the, such was the case with Iron Fist when they brought all this up. They're like, oh, and you even mentioned it too. That yeah, a lot of people were advocating like, why was Danny Rand like cast as like a white guy? Like, well, why wasn't he cast as an Asian man? Because his character's not. Yeah. So like, people just have to deal with that. Exactly, um, and I think, in my opinion, like it would have been kind of awkward because like if an Asian man were to be cast as Danny Rand, like it's kind of like a stereotype role. Yeah. in a sense yeah you know? it really is and then you're kind of just reversing that and I mean though I don't I personally don't believe that there's such a thing as reverse racism but like you know you can kind of contend some of that stuff if you, if you did that right yeah you're, you're trying to appease a faction of fans who want like it's like a solid like racial stereotype in and there. I think it's important to to have those you know Asian roles sure for people but it's absolutely just, you know like sometimes like that that's not where you got to fight your battles. Yeah, absolutely. You know? It has to be done right. And um, we were even talking about Ghost in the Shell. So you haven't seen much Ghost in the Shell, but you, nope. did, you did see the trailer. The though, trailer, right? yeah. I think it looks interesting. It looks cool enough. But like, yeah, there was that huge thing about are they going to make her look look Asian? Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that just would have been no. Don't do that. <laughs> well, not only would it take you out of the movie, but it's just freaking offensive. Exactly. You know. So I'm glad that they kind of stuck their ground on this and just did it straight with the story. And I'm really, really excited to see him inter- interact with Luke Cage eventually. Um, I wonder if he's going to be in the show. In Luke Cage's show? No, in uh, in, in the, Iron Fist. In Iron Fist. Like, okay. Luke Cage will be in Iron yeah, Fist. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? I'd be curious. I would be curious too. Even just like a cameo to kind of like even just like tease the the heroes for hire thing. You That'd know? be really cool. That'd be really dope. Um, so we're rolling with that. We'll have more news on that once we get it. Um, as I mentioned before in another podcast that there was, you know, there's showrunners had already been talking about it at certain cons. So as soon as, you know, the other cons roll out, we'll have a lot more to talk about on that front. But ending off with the Defenders thing, the bigger picture, the larger thing. This is a really exciting piece of news. And Noah and I kind of just like freaked the hell out exactly. as we heard about this. But Sigourney Weaver has been cast as the main villain or at least one of the main villains of the Defenders of the Defenders show that exactly. they're planning, and I think this was just like yesterday. This was at, at, at New York Comic Con. Yeah, and it was like late at night when I saw it too. So like I'm sitting there trying to get work done, just like yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Dana Barrett is is the evil one. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's sweet. I love Sigourney Weaver. She's great. I know, right? Everything she's in is fantastic. She's Ripley, man. Alien is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Not Aliens, but Alien. Uh, Ridley Scott did it so much better than, than James Cameron, but I'm not going <laughs> to talk about that. 
But yeah, no, you have this like really iconic, you know, character, this really iconic actress and all these different like pieces of nerd culture, Ghostbusters, Alien, all these different things. Avatar. Avatar, if you really want to get into it. Um, and now she's in something else. And I, I think it's really cool that she accepts these roles. Oh, for sure. She doesn't need to do any of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And I think this like definitely opens up the window for Marvel because like this is like... She is a big name actress. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna get a lot of attention. Does, did it say who the character was? No, not at all. Like she, just that she's the main villain or a villain. So they're just they're just kind of throwing that out there for yeah. people. Cool. I cannot wait to see what she has to say about Me too. this. And that's the thing. Bring it back to the how she's so cool about all this stuff is that I remember when um so when they were talking about this like Alien Five like not Ridley Scott's Prometheus sequel. But, like, there was another work of Alien 5 that really? we were going to do. Yeah, it was the guy, um, I forget his name every single time I talk about this, but the guy who did Chappie and District 9. Oh, really? Yeah, he got some years ago, and this was, like, I got to say, like, a year and a half ago to two years ago. Okay. He uh, actually developed a script for Alien 5 that would start right after Resurrection. Or even, not even that, it would start uh, after Alien 3. It would act like Resurrection didn't even happen. Hmm. Um, and it would just kind of carry on from that. And Sigourney would be back? And she would be back. They, okay. would, they would find find some way to weave her in where, like, she didn't really die, and that, like... Okay. Yeah, it was strange, which is the same thing with freaking Resurrection, right? Yeah. But they, they really liked this concept, and he actually spoke with Sigourney Weaver about this and kind of developed the script with her while they were working on Chappie together. Um, so she had, like, direct input about, to like, what did you do as Ripley that you didn't get to do? Like, what are some things that you think where the character should have gone after that before they started kind of defiling the situation? And, uh, God, I was so excited to see any kind of, like, you know, output on that. And it never happened. Um, Ridley was really cool about it at first. And then he was like, yeah, well, we kind of want to make my Prometheus sequel, so you're cut off. And, wow. Yeah, which is a big-time bummer. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, the fact that she's, like, so that invested in, like, that Ripley character... Just shows me that all this other stuff she takes really seriously. I wonder if she would have that much input in terms of like her role in this Defenders. She probably would. That'd be really. I mean, cool. she's produced movies before. You know, she's a really, really smart actress. Um, you know, really smart actress like that typically do have a say. Um, I remember watching some. We, I think we were talking about it in our Star Trek episode, but I remember watching this documentary um, about the creation of of TNG. And totally separate, but, you know, they were talking about Gates McFadden, who played Beverly Crusher, Dr. Beverly Crusher on the show. And there was, like, always these, like, spats between her and some of the writers. And she said that, you know, when I've worked in classical classical opera, classical Broadway, like, there's kind of this element of that I've earned my stripes and I can say what I feel about a character's input and their motivations and stuff like that. And they didn't necessarily like that because they're like, know your place. Just, yeah. Um, I think that's completely the converse with someone like Sigourney Weaver. I think that they trust her enough to do that. So we'll see. That's pretty dope. Pretty dope, man. We're going to take a quick, short commercial break to pump uh, the man that we already talked about earlier, Mr. Uh, Michael from Hall of Heroes. And then we're going to come back and we're going to have an in-depth discussion about Luke Cage, what this means for the Marvel Universe, and what this means for society. We'll be right back. Wake up in the morning and I go and get the paper. Gotta get the paper. Hey guys, this episode of Raving Geeks has been sponsored by The Hall of Heroes. Located in Campus Court next to Subway, the Hall of Heroes is open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Visit their website at www.hallofheroesllc.com and let the Hall of Heroes become your go-to comic book destination. Synopsis is real. Never had that old with cats who make waves and get a 360 deal. Hey guys, we're back. As always, check out the Hall of Heroes for all your comics needs, your card needs. We have uh, hero clicks there. They, uh, they don't have toys yet. Michael, get some toys. Oh, he's, he's got bus. They got toys. They got toys. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually going to buy his Star Trek line off of him, but like, don't have, have the money to do it. Same. I know. It looks so cool. But always check them out. They're apparently closed on Sunday. I've been, oh, really? They've been sponsoring this show since we started, all right? And I had never known <laughs> that they were closed on Sunday. So I'm like, I'm like texting on, on Facebook. Like, where are you at? Like, I'm coming, I'm coming to Mecca. That's what I said. Like, I'm heading to Mecca right now. I tagged, I checked in and then I get there and like, nobody's there. It's closed. I'm like, Michael, Just what's the matter? Sadness. Michael, where are you? You know? So yeah, not on Sundays, but every other day you can get your comics there. So now we're back. Promise we were going to talk about Luke Cage. I think it's really timely, not only because of the show has come out and it's gotten such rave reviews, 
uh, but there's so many implications about it. Um, but to start us off, Noah, you seem pretty amped about this. So what were your first reactions watching the entire show? My initial reactions, just like how different it is from like shows like Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Like it's not even like you were saying, like uh, it's not even like a superhero show to an extent. Like mm-hmm. it's very much like grounded and it's about like people rather than, you know, these like fantastical people with like superpowers. Like it's. It's more of the the hero rather than the super. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and just the fact that yeah, that's it's weird because I think Daredevil and Jessica Jones, even though they kind of grapple with their hero personalities, especially way more Jessica Jones and Daredevil, because I'd argue that even that first season of Daredevil, he knew what he was setting out to do. Oh, for sure. Right. Jessica Jones had like a very clear motive of just stopping, you know, the purple man. But other than that, like, you know, she never really fully accepted her powers until, like, maybe, like, halfway through the show. Yeah. Um, But it was still very hero-centric, right? This is, like, a grounded show. It feels like, it feels like The Wire, you know? But yeah. Like, and, like, all this, like, cool neo-blaxploitation stuff set on, the like, the backdrop of a superhero show. Like, the superhero thing is almost, like, inconsequential to, like, the whole plot, which is really freaking cool. Yeah. You know? There's gangsters. There's, like, quintessentially Harlem stuff. And we're going to get into all of that. So that's that's what that's your first takeaway is. Anything else? Uh, like the cinematography, I was like blown away as usual. Like it's like consistently Marvel, Netflix has like held up that. It is like I tried to go back and watch, you know, this new newer episodes of like The Flash and Arrow. It's just it's hard to look at which in is, comparison to which like. It's weird to say because when those shows were at their zenith. Everyone was like, oh, this is the greatest superhero thing ever like on tv the, the action's great the fights are great the the graphics are great like all the flash like just running around stuff exactly was awesome this is like it's so minimalist it like makes all of that look like child's play exactly and like the dialogue and everything it just makes all of cw stuff no offense like i love cw stuff same dude but it just makes it seem like way cheesier and childish yeah yes it does um and it's weird too because you i mean obviously this defenders universe has that quality about it in the first place. It was always going to be more grounded than everything else. But this show just feels so much more adult. Not that it's necessarily adult-oriented. Yeah. It just feels mature, you know? For it feels sure. like this is, like, a chance for Marvel to, like, really mature themselves, and they did. Chio Hadari Coker is such a good writer. Such a great writer. He was a music journalist. Did you know that? Really? No, I didn't know that. That's where that's where his, like, writing chops came from, is that he was a music journalist, which makes sense because... All the music involved with this show. All the music is great. It's very diverse. You know, the, the first episode had uh, Raphael Sadiq, who's, like, one of my favorite, like, R&B singers of all time, right? He's a modern dude. Uh, he kind of was, like, big in the 80s. But even just having him slide in there, right? Just Which like, is so cool. Just like uh, as a side note, you know, and like people are talking about like, oh, Raphael still got it. You know, it was just dope. It was super cool just to watch it. And um, it's funny how much reverence Chio has for that. And I hope I'm saying his name right because apparently I'm, I'm bad at butchering names. <laughs> Sorry, Noah. <laughs> it's um, okay. I forgive you. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> But yeah, the the dude is just um, so thick with his dialogue, so thick with like his like just plotting of the show. Um, it's great how they start off kind of in the same way that Daredevil did, is where it kind of shows you like a snippet of like what's going on later in the show, and it backtracks itself. Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the way that they do it in Luke Cage is a lot more effective because as opposed to just showing like some kind of weird vignette of like post action of like you know. Uh, Matt being like beat to a pulp or you know just standing on a rooftop somewhere it's like there's an actual like hint of dialogue setting up the rest of the show it's like really good foreshadowing even though it's like a vignette of something that's coming it's weird it's just so great how they play with this and I mean from a writing standpoint it's really well done it's extremely well done um and I'm just I'm I'm surprised about that Anything else that you got? No, I think you like you did pretty good. <laughs> cool, <laughs> we got all our yeah. bases covered. But yeah, no, and I guess that's the, a lot, of, dude. I totally agree with you. A lot of your takeaways are the same thing that I took away too. Um, you know, I think 
the music thing is really the, the key point for me is because music really has really nothing to do with the show, but it, it ties in so well. All the um, episode titles are Gangstar songs. Really? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that. It's fantastic, and it's like a it's a very like Brooklyn, you know, New York like guru thing. Uh, guru might might I just point out I don't run a podcast about music, so this is like my <laughs> only chance to talk about music. But Guru is like one of my favorite rappers of all time. Gangstar is one of the most like intellectual, but also like still street like underground hip hop music that I've heard. It's like the, like the great like line between something like most deaf and Wu Tang. And it's just brilliant. And just the fact that like, he has so much reverence for gurus music and all the, all the song titles match so well with the episodes, you know, moment of truth is the first episode. And it's like, yes. I mean, that's like, if you listen to the lyrics of moment of truth, like this is, this is that episode, you know, told through this eyes of Luke Cage. Um, so it's just, it's just weaved together so well. Um, you know, I get like really giddy when I like talk about <laughs> shows think like about this. That stuff like that. Yeah, but I think about it like you know, I was not this giddy when I was watching Arrow. I was not this giddy when because there's not that Flash. not that much to like consume and really think about. <gasps> it's like what you see is what you get. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, that was just my kind of my first takeaway was just like I cannot believe how in depth this show is in a very short thirteen episodes, and also just like the implications overall. And I think that's one that we're getting into now. Yeah, not so much like, I mean, uh, not just like, you know, the musical stuff, but also like a lot of like the political and social issues that it addresses. And like, not even like, you know, it didn't feel like out of place. It like fit in with like everything like seamlessly. Mm-hmm. No, it totally did. Um, and that's, that's, I've brought this up and it's not like necessarily a line that I've coined because everybody's saying it, but I think it needs to be said as many times is that it is so important in a time right now, you exactly. know, when so many minorities are being killed by cops, um, while so many different people are being gunned down in, you know, Chicago and different urban places for gang violence and things like that. Um, people are dying on the streets every single day, uh, whether it's to their own circumstances or just because that's like the economic environment that they've been put into to have a bulletproof black man so important be a scion for people so important it is intense it is intense and it's incredibly awesome of the way that they handled it too because it, it i mean there is like this element of neo-black exploitation to the show and it even lists itself as that as a genre when you look it up um but it's really cool because it's not mocking anything no you know it's not like blowing certain aspects of like the culture out of proportion um, I think it's very face value about what it's presenting. Um, I think it's very clear about what it's presenting. And natural. Like, yeah, politically yeah. and societally. Um, and there was that, was it that second episode um, where he rolls up on uh, Crispus Attics, right? By the way, we're not a, we're not a spoiler-free podcast. We're going to spoil everything. L- yeah, a little bit. We're going to we're going to blow your minds. And if you haven't if you haven't watched it, screw you. Sorry. <laughs> you got to go watch the show. Um, turn off your headsets now. But yeah, he's uh, he's standing there outside of Christmas Attic. He's got his hoodie on, you know, bulletproof black man in a hoodie. He's listening to his music, and you know, a kid pops up behind him and has a gun, you know, and like says something to him. I forget what he says to him, and you know, he he, he calls him a racial slur, and he's like, "Do you do you see and blank enter blank here, you know, standing in front of you?" And then he gives him this this line about history. Do you know who Christmas Attic was? And it's just like it's so dope that they can do stuff like that. They have this superhero, but also at the same time, he's like, Luke Cage is like almost like a scholar on black history, you know? Yeah. And so you're introducing this really cool, like badass figure who also is like teaching the audience in a really just weird, like breaking the fourth wall way about like why knowing your history is important to the black community. And like just the fact that they can do that in such subtle ways in the show. I mean, it really means a lot to me. I mean, I'm Latino. So like, I mean, I'm not, obviously a member of the black community, but like, I understand how like history is important, like to my community. So when I watch that, I'm just like, I'm plugged in, you know, what are there some other political things that you, did you notice in the show? Well, the, uh, I believe it was like the, the showrunner. He was talking about like the fact that Luke Cage's costume wasn't even like, you know, the traditional yellow shirt that he had from the costume. Mm -hmm. They like, you know, actively chose to make his costume a hoodie. Mm -hmm. And that was like paying tribute to Trayvon Martin. I think that's so important it's so cool that they decided to do that yeah absolutely and then um so i'm trying to remember what episode it is correct me if i'm long it's a later episode but there was some conversation about iron man but also it weaves itself into a like a a, a commentary about trayvon martin too yeah i think that was the uh the freestyle rap mm-hmm. I, I forget which episode it was but that was 
That was really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about, like, it, it's you're taking something that's so universal, right? And it's, like, this love for these superheroes. And you're tying them to real-world real events that affect that community. Um, and you're weighing them on your mind as if they exist in the same world. Like, if there's no better cohesion between, like, you know, art imitating life than this, I don't know what is. You know, and it's super dope to even just to, to, to grapple with any of that. And yeah, I mean, um, I would contend that this is the most grounded Marvel show. I, def- I definitely think so. You know, because of things like that, you know, you... It doesn't even have to be dark to be grounded. Just like, you know, everything that's going on, it's just, yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, and I just, I think, I think my love for this show goes even further than just being like a comic book fan. Um, you know, because I'm not even, I wasn't even that big of a Luke Cage fan in the first place. I knew of Luke Cage. I read some of the comics. You know, I know of his associations with other characters. And when he teams up with the Defenders, I had some of those books. But, like, you know, just the the watching it and being into it from a different standpoint is kind of like like blending the worlds together. And it's, I just, I'm so satisfied with all of it. Um, you know, some of the other political stuff, too, that I've noticed is that, like, it's really weird. And when, like politicians who typically are not allies of the black community, right? They'll usually talk about minorities and their communities kind of like they're just like, I'm obviously as a means like of using them to get votes means to get votes, but also like kind of demonizing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we saw with Donald Trump, right. Coming out and saying like, you live in, you live in hell, blah, blah, blah. Your school suck, yada, yada. And like, I don't even think that's like a political talking point. I really think that's how a lot of people just view those communities. Because, Which is completely sad. Well, it is sad and it's because of the violence and it's because of the corruptions and things like that. And that the way that the show deals with that is that it doesn't glorify any of that, right? You have Cottonmouth, you have Alfred Woodford's character, you know, um, and they're both prominent people and they're both inherently corrupt. Um, and I don't think it makes any bones in saying that they're bad people. I think it makes it very clear that they're bad people. But it also paints them in a light that, like, you know, in this community, we have an obligation to take care of our community, you know, and it kind of goes back to this by any, by any means necessary mentality that, like, we'll do what we have to do. We'll bend the rules. We'll align ourselves with gangsters and be corrupt just to make the place better. And I think Alfred Woodward's character uh, says that a lot throughout the show, too, you know. It's like, I was like, I am Harlem, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting how they reconcile that. Um, because I think that's that's how a lot of the community may feel too. It's like, yeah, we don't want this either. But like, what do you expect us to do? You know, when we've had so much oppression, so much, so much against us. Um, I know the Latino community feels the same exact way uh, from talking to my peeps. So like, it's um, it's interesting. It's interesting on how they were able to wrap all of this together in such like a nice, concise package. Um, but you know, you brought up a really cool point, man, about the music. And it's not even just about the music thing. It's about, like, the setting, the things that they do. Um, this show is so quintessentially much, much more Harlem than it is black. Would you agree? I would. Yeah, I would agree. You know, because, like, it is, it's like, Harlem-centric. Uh, Luke Cage has, like, a John Coltrane poster on his wall. He has a Miles Davis poster on his wall. He's le- he's reading black literature, like, constantly. Like, I think in every episode, it every seems, they episode. always have, like, a book there. Yeah, it's always a different book, too, True. you know? Um, and he's always, like, kind of just, like, like expounding on that as he's going through. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just even there was that shot, uh, I think it was, like, maybe, like, in the third episode, right, where Cottonmouth is starting to, like, He's starting to see some of his empire starting to unravel before things get really, really bad later in the show, you know, for him particularly. And he's sitting there and it's like late at night and he's got two chicks on the side of him. Oh, yeah. He's just going. He's just playing he's the play, piano. He's playing a Fender Rhodes, right? Which, by the way, as being a being musician myself, like I know what a Fender Rhodes sounds like and what it looks like. Uh, some of my favorite jazz musicians play Fender Rhodes. So as soon as he starts keying on this thing, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> oh, dude, get the heck out. And uh, he's playing jazz music, you know? They could have gone so hip hop with this show, and like as as like important as hip hop is, is to Brooklyn, especially Harlem. You know, the fact that they kept this jazz influence as like Harlem's greatest you know export, that's really cool too. Um, and it sets all these all these different themes, Luke's backstory, his struggles, the community struggles, all in this really cool like tight thing. And at the center of it, there's like music to keep them all going. And I just, I don't know. That's super cool. Super great. 
But we have another thing, too, is that, like, the, the backlash. You want to tell us about some of the backlash that this show has got? Yeah, on? I guess, like, a lot of people, not even a lot of people, I don't think, because, like, this show has been praised so much. Everybody loves it. But there's, like, uh, people that are saying that Luke Cage is too black or something. What did you expect, man? Exactly. It's Luke Cage. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Too people. People. Ugh. Yeah, so, I mean, they yeah, that's, that's the main criticism that it was too black, that there's not enough diversity on the show. There's not enough white people on the show. And my, my contention is this, is that, like, you know, aren't superheroes, like, already plugged in enough to the white community? Exactly. Like, most of them, I mean, we have War Machine have, and, 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 and the Falcon. Yeah. And then we have Nick, right? We yeah, have Nick, Nick Fury. Cage. Oh, not, not Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> no. Nick, Nick yeah, Cage Luke, in blackface sounds like a terrible oh my idea. Gosh. Um, yeah, but I mean, you have Nick Fury. I mean, and that was really cool. Event when late earlier on when they decided to use his likeness and then eventually use you know Sam as as the main character. But uh, you don't have very many black characters that are important. You know, Falcon is cool, but he's not really important. I mean, take him or leave him. I mean, in the comics now he is. I mean, when there was obviously you know Steve is back, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's super weird that they would make that kind of comment. And it, it's funny that that kind of comment was made because it's clearly just in opposition to, like, everything else that's been going on. Yeah. You know, like Black Lives Matter and the All Lives Matter movement, you know, people saying, like, oh, well, we, we matter, too. It's like, yeah, but you understand, dude, that's not, like, why they're saying this. And it's kind of the same thing here is that, like, can't, like, can't do just have something for themselves. Exactly. You know? Um, but, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of pathetic. It's kind of pathetic how that is. And Marvel's gotten a lot of flack for that. Way more flack than DC, I think, has gotten for it. I mean, like, no one complained that, like, you know, there was this, like, crossover that Iris West was, you know, a black character. Yeah. You know, and that Wally West was a black character, you know? No one no one cared. It was just like, all right, cool, it's fine. But now that when, when Marvel does stuff like that, it's just... It's huge. I mean, that happened with Heimdall, um, with uh, Idris Elba when he was cast as Heimdall. That was a huge thing. That was a People, huge thing. Exactly. And especially because the Nordic like traditions have such a huge tie with these like white nationalists, too. Like They were all up in arms. Um, and it's sad that they can't take these liberties. I think later on... And we're gonna we talked a little bit about it, but I think Jordan wants to talk about it eventually. Is that we're talking about like Zendaya, you know, the cat. whole Spider Man thing. Yeah, you know, and I think that I think now since that's been brought up in the nerd community, I think that like warrants it's worth talking about deeper conversation, exactly. not just here on the show, but I'm talking about like everybody. just in general. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on, but um, overall, I think it's the best Netflix Marvel show that they put out so far. The question is, where do they go with it now? You know, um, I'll admit I didn't get through the entire thing. I tried. It's the ending is good. I think I like some people had problems with the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. They said like, you know, it fell it, off. It fell off. But I thought it worked for me. Cool. Uh, I, I'd say the ending. I, I'm not going to spoil it for Just you. Spoil it. Uh, Just kick it off. Uh, I don't even care. Are no you one. sure? OK. Like are you he's, sure? He's baited breath. Oh, boy. OK. So in the end, <laughs> are you sure about this? Uh, Yeah, I'm pretty sure. OK. In the end, Luke gets arrested okay cool so it does completely die uh yeah Great. He, he does die you ruined everything for me some no. other stuff happens but like uh him being arrested uh completely opens up the door for uh daredevil to get involved like uh karen no not karen shoot well yeah well, like uh there, there's talks about like a uh, matt representing him cool to try to get him out of jail very cool so i think that's gonna be like the direct tie-in to the defenders for yeah. sure yeah Oh, that's great. Um, so that's that's kind of where it goes. So the question is, is you know they're coming out with Iron Fist. Does does Luke Cage season two happen before they bring out a Defender show? Does Jessica Jones season two come out before they have a Defender show? I mean, that's the big question. Is how are they I think they're do saying it? it's going to be uh, Iron Fist then. Punisher and then Defenders and mm-hmm. then everything else after that kind of falls in line. Yeah, gotcha. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they did they they didn't do necessarily like a second season of Luke Cage or Iron Fist. What if they did like a Heroes for Hire? And just combine the shows. Just combine the shows. Yeah, I mean, I think um, what I gathered from the rest of the the show is that while it would be great to see Luke's singular story carry on, I think they developed so much in that first season that they could do something like that. They can combine those two characters and kind of not lose sight of like the storytelling aspect of it. I think so too. And continue kind of like 
developing these characters still intimately while it's still combined. I mean, that's really cool. And plus, everybody has that vision in their head of Iron Fist and Luke Cage always working together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting. They kind of dropped some hints towards the end of it about, like, you know, turning the uh, barbershop into their headquarters. They're, like, saying, like, maybe this shouldn't be a barbershop anymore. Maybe it should be something else. And they're like, what should it be? Mm-hmm. And, like, now everyone's thinking that's where they're going to go with it. That's cool. That's super cool. And it's... it's it, it's funny, too, because, like, as I was watching that show, some of those elements were so predictable. But even though they were predictable... It was still really good. Oh, it was still, like, heart-wrenching. Like, yeah. I knew Pops was going to die. Yeah. You just knew it was going to happen. And it still had that, that impact, like, for exactly. sure. Exactly. And that's I think that's really cool. If they can continue to develop these characters, even in a short span of time, so much so that you care about a character like that, um, I think that that's in really good hands. And I will be honest with you. Um, as much as I liked the writers on the other shows, and I don't think Gio can maybe adapt those other shows as well, I would really like to see him get elevated to an executive producer role and work with Jeff Loeb to try to produce these shows so that they have the same kind of intellectual feel. I really hope so, too. That would be amazing. You know, and that's not to say that, you know, Daredevil wasn't oh, no. great and didn't wrestle with cool things. Yeah. You know, even Jessica Jones. I mean, that wrestled that was with some extremely heavy themes. And important ones, like... It was essentially about, like, rape. Yeah, sexual assault. Sexual assault. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I I guess, uh, I mean, you obviously can't get heavier than that, but at the same time, I'd like to see them elevate it, and I think Chio's the guy. I think he's definitely the dude. And, um, yeah, we'll see where this goes. But that's Luke Cage. If you haven't seen it yet and you listen to the show, that sucks. Noah just ruined everything for you. Not everything. There's still there's there's some surprises to be had. We brought him on for one episode, and he's already ruined everything for you guys. Nah, he did good. <laughs> job. But yeah, no. There's so much to dissect there. Please watch it. Please let us know. Tweet at me. Tweet at Noah. Tweet at the Raving Geeks. Um, we're gonna actually share Noah's information in a good way, so that yeah. you can tweet at him too and let him know what's going on. Um, he's going to help us run some social media stuff. So he's going to be the guy helming everything. So if you want to reach out to Noah and us, always tweet at us at Raving Geeks. And you can find me at Noah Bashore, just Noah and then B-A-S-H-O-R-E. Just for clarification, that's pronounced Bashore. Not Bashore, Basher. Basher. <laughs> I probably said it like three different ways. It's okay. I'm it's really okay. sorry, dude. But yeah, thank you very much again for joining us, guys. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. You can download us on iTunes, on the CM Life Podcast channel. You can download us on SoundCloud. Send us some mail. Send us some hate mail. Send us some angry tweets. We'll retweet some things. Please interact with us. We want to know what's on your minds. But as always, thank you, Noah, for joining us. My pleasure. Alex, thank you for recording us. He says his pleasure, too. And uh, you can always catch us, same bat time, same bat network.